Eliane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today, Adam. I am I'm thrilled. And for all the audiences, as you probably know, we're in season three. We're focused on the adoption of marketing mindset. We're celebrating almost 100. I think we're at 98 episodes. We've been doing this wow. for about a year. And uh, really, it's how do we figure out the best way to market to employees? And we talk about this as an emerging market. And every discussion at this point talks about people, process, technology. We'll start with who is going to do this work. And today, Kellyanne is going to help us continue to focus and refine our thinking on marketing mindset, specifically around communications. Because if you don't nail communications, what do you have? What do you have inside the organization? So where I want to begin, and, and over and over I'm being asked, Adam, when you think about the innovators who get it, who see this emerging market, what's their background? What is in their background that helps to get them to the perspective that they currently have? And Kellyanne, you, you have an amazing background, and I think you're the first chief administrative officer we have on the podcast. So if you don't mind, could you give a little color to how did you get to the perspective that you currently have through your experiences? I know it's a big question, but maybe a few highlights yeah. and, and off we go. Sure. So um, I'll take you back to the fourth grade and I promise I won't walk you through every year since then. Um, we don't have enough time on the podcast, but I, but I start there because that was the first time I entered a speaking contest and I fell in love with communications. I was so fortunate to have a teacher who recognized that I had some skill sets there and pushed me in that path. And from there, I've been able to create a, a really wonderful career. So when I talk about the fourth grade and my love for communications, it's um, an element that you'll see in every role that I've taken since. And what started for me um, coming out of college as a desire to be a broadcast reporter quickly turned into focusing on communications from the other side of the house. And so I've done communications for political campaigns. I've done communications work for the White House and NASA. Even um, NASA was incredibly interesting and have carried that through to work for companies, um, sometimes focused on crisis communications, sometimes media relations, sometimes internal communications. But um, the commonality in all of that was communication. And that leads me to the role that I took at Mr. Cooper Group, the company I'm at today. I joined the company about seven and a half years ago, leading their communications um, organization. And I, I joined the company because Mr. Cooper was going through a major transformation. They are today the largest non-bank mortgage servicer in the company or in the country. They serve about four and a half million customers and we have about 7,000 employees. And what they were trying to do was completely reinvent themselves and focus on what a a renewed customer experience could look like that would um, inspire our current customer base to continue to choose us, have customers for life, so to speak. And they they knew to do that. They also had to change the culture, um, and that's when it, that's where I came in. So I I joined really focusing on internal communications, and uh, because of my love for communication and using that as a vehicle to transform culture, I was given the opportunity to lead the people organization. So I added HR to my. Um, to my group. And then from there have continued to add on different parts of the business. And so 
when we talk about taking a communications or marketing mindset and applying that to the employee experience, it's a, um, a topic really near and dear to my heart because I am a communications and marketer by trade that happens to also be um, somebody who focuses on employee experience. And so that's how I've gotten to where I am today and why I'm so passionate about this topic. You're listening. I mean, you can see what the trend has become over the last, I think, mm -hmm. 20 or 30 episodes. We see folks mm -hmm. that are coming in from, you know, kind of focusing externally to bringing that mindset to focus internally on the employee experience. And with 4 million customers, and, and that's a, a mortgage industry is not an easy, it's not for mm -hmm. the faint of hearts. Yeah. There's a lot going on. There's rates. I, I Back in the day before the Great Recession, I was actually in the mortgage business. And mm. I remember how stressful it was. Um, and, and I can't wait to dive in. Kellyanne, when you, when you were coming into this role, maybe why did you join? What did you mm -hmm. see as the focus for you to, yeah. in this position? Well, I, I saw transformation. Um, as being the primary goal of the role. And I love transformation projects. I love being able to walk into an organization and feel like I'm a part of creating something even better. Um, and that was the first hook. But the second hook was the team. I had the opportunity to sit down with Jay Bray, our CEO, um, as a part of the interview process. And in Jay, I saw a leader who was really dedicated to making Mr. Cooper a better place to work and a better company for its customers. And that type of um, buy-in from the most senior executive at the company is a communicator's dream. And so I felt like with his passion um, and with the work ahead of us, there was a huge opportunity to make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. And, and it's certainly exceeded all of my expectations. Really bought in is is an important piece because I I think every leader at this point says the right things. That's right. The question is That's what right. happens next. Where are they putting That's in the focus and the more importantly, I'd say where they're putting in the budgets, the resources. Right. When you really believe in in, in evolving the employee experience, mm -hmm. you it's mm -hmm. going to require resources. Um, so right. let's talk about it, Kelly. And you, you mm -hmm. I mentioned this to you before. People. Process technology. If we think about adopting marketing mindset internally, it starts with who's going to own it. And oh my goodness, yeah. it's a raging debate. Yeah. I have heard it all, I believe. Mm -hmm. And and Kellyanne, what do you think? Which C level would take now? Who's involved? This is a different different question. But who's mm -hmm. responsible for this? Yeah. Well, I think that this is going to be like a, a, a bit of a cop-out answer, and I, it's because it really depends on the organization and what your structure looks like. But, but no matter who it is, um, it has to be a person with a seat at the table. And when I say a seat at the table, I don't just mean the title. I mean, they have to have a position of influence with the senior most executive leaders. And um, I, I'd like to think that the way that we've structured it is the best way because it's really worked for us. And that's um, somebody like myself who has a communications background um, understands what it means to really lean into communications as a critical component of culture, but also has the employee experience as a part of my team. So I have the brand team, the communications team, the HR team, DEI, employee events, all within my leadership structure which allows for a ton of collaboration and consistency in messaging. 
what we're saying to our customers, that tone of voice, um, the, the way that we talk about our vision is the same as the way we're talking about it with our team members. And in today's day and age, I think that consistency, regardless of who you're speaking to, is so vital because all of those channels, they all, they all mingle together um, ultimately. And what our customers are seeing, um, our team members are seeing. And what, um, what team members see and believe translates into what the customer is experiencing. So that's how we've set it up and it's worked really well for us. There's so much in what you just said there. Let's, let's just kind of take a pause. Consistency. Yeah. And let's think about the consistency from two dimensions. One is on the customer experience to employee experience. Yeah. On the second, it's across the employee experience from higher would you say to mm -hmm. retire across all aspects? Is, is that how you would think about the employee experience? So I actually think about the employee experience before hire. I think about mm -hmm. that employee experience from the moment that they hear your name as a potential mm -hmm. employer, because that's when your first brand impression from an employer perspective is established. And um, being in the mortgage business, we go through cycles. There are moments in time in which we are hiring a ton, and there are moments in time in which we're not. So having a good brand is really vital when those mortgage rates drop and suddenly we need to be hiring two, 3,000 people um, just like that. So when I have mapped out the employee experience, uh, and we do, we've mapped that out um, at Mr. Cooper. That was one of the first things I did when I took over the HR role is creating an employee experience journey map. We started with the very beginning. What do people hear when they hear about Mr. Cooper as an employer? And we carry that all the way through to when somebody leaves. And um, we've talked a lot about establishing an alumni network because Boomerang employees, and we actually have one um, that's a member of our executive team today, are some of our best employees. They have a great, rich experience at the company, go and develop even more skills somewhere else, and then choose to come back. So we know they're a culture fit walking in the door. And um, we also know that they've they've grown um, a ton since they, they left and decided to come back. So we love those boomerang employees. So we think about it from inception to all the way um, through that entire experience as an employee. It's an extensive map of experiences. Mm -hmm. And, and would yes. you say then you own the way the messages appear across that entire spectrum? Oh, absolutely. And that's a really important um, way to think about things. And again, this is where consistency comes back into play. Um, and we recently, I would say about a year and a half ago, kicked off some work around employee value propositions. So uh, what that means is basically what we would do for a customer. What's our value prop? Um, from a customer perspective. Well, what's our value prop from an employer's perspective? And that doesn't mean we're looking at our values. Our values are really important and we use our values um, in a lot of different ways, but it's also what people are really experiencing every single day, understanding what that looks like and what makes Mr. Cooper a great place to work for them from an experience perspective. And we did that work really honed in on what our employer employee value prop was going to be. And then I've started integrating that messaging into things that we're doing ahead of somebody even joining us. And mm. the value in doing that, um, even at the beginning of a consideration for a job application is the better you define what it's like to work at the company, 
the more likely you're going to get people walking in the door who really understand um, what it's like to work here and fit the culture. Um, not every culture is going to be right for every employee. Uh, and that's not our goal. Our goal is not to be the best place to work for every single person out there. It's to be the best place to work for the people who really make sense for Mr. Cooper. And so in being able to sync those two things up, you get better job applicants and you get better retention. Um, ultimately, because the people walking in, um, we know from the very beginning are a really good fit for us. And they know that they're a really good fit for us, too. About eight years ago, I published a book called The Science of Story, interviewed hundreds of executives. And I remember mm -hmm. just just my shock about me asking the question, OK, the values are in the walls and you publish them. Mm -hmm. Now what? Yeah. Now what? Mm -hmm. Oh, town hall. And then it yeah. stops. And what yeah. you're saying, hey, yeah. let's bring these values all the way to that first, I think called inception, or yeah. that first yeah. interaction with the brand, mm -hmm. and then bring it throughout the entire experience and not just leave it yeah. for a Super Bowl commercial where we share that's externally it. and internally the team mm -hmm. has no idea. Yeah. I mean, Kelly, yeah. and that, that's, I think that's, that's emerging market kind of, you're on the bleeding edge yeah. of what yeah. I think the future brings. So let, let's go further. So you are leading the team and you have different teams. You mentioned employee brand, mm -hmm. you mentioned a, a number of them. How do you see this concept of applying marketing across these various elements of the employee experience? Do you see that right. as a, as here's a team of creative folks and storytellers and analytics and technology, or is it, does it sit in every department that heads up a certain area of employee experience? How, how do you conceptualize the architecture of that? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, just going back to your, your comment on values, I have some pretty funny stories about values gone wrong at companies. Um, and so I've learned that lesson the hard way about how important it is to make sure that they're not just words on the wall. But to, to uh, answer actually, your question. Whenever yeah. you got the funny story, bring it. Always, oh, always oh, okay. So, all right. so, so at Mr. Cooper, we have three very simple values. You champions for our customer, cheerleaders for our team, challengers of convention, three values. Mm -hmm. And I can, I would put money on the fact that you could go to any team member at our organization and they would know what those three values are because everything from the way we communicate to the way people are performance managed um, has our values um, as a component of that. But at the company that I was at before, um, before now, um, I was with my CEO and he was doing an interview with the New York Times. And he was talking very proudly about the values, the work that we had put in to create these values. There were seven of them. And the reporter says, well, okay, so what are your values? And the CEO couldn't repeat them. We had to tell him what the values Ooh. were. The CEO oh. couldn't repeat them, um, which goes to show that if you don't make them a part of your every single day working life, they're not going to resonate. And if the CEO can't remember them, I guarantee you that the average team member is not going to either. So ever since that moment in time, I'm like, we're, we're keeping this simple. Three values. It's the same key messages, three key messages. People remember three things that you have to repeat it over and over and over again. So um, my it. big tip for people when you're talking about values is keep it simple, keep it memorable and make it really come to life um, every single day. Um, and then you've got values that actually make sense. But to, to answer your question more specifically about um, employee experience, like who really owns that, because of the way that my team is structured, I'd say that we all 
own that. And when I am thinking about my overall organization, which even includes the facilities team, we have big goals for the year. Um, and this year, one of our goals is actually storytelling. And I want all of my teams, whether you're in facilities or you're in procurement or you're in HRIS or communications or brand to be thinking about the story that we're telling with the benefits that we're providing our team members, um, the way that we're communicating things and how can we make those stories come to life in a way that makes an impact on our team members. So when I think about employee experience, I, I look to my entire organization to be um, a pretty important part of creating a company that people can trust. That's our own team's like personal mission. And so um, because I have uh, leadership over all of those groups, I'm able to do that. But I also think it's important for um, groups, especially within HR and communications, to really understand the impact that they can have. And I'll tell a little story. Um, I was in a meeting just yesterday with the woman that heads up our total rewards group, which is our benefits, compensation. Um, she also does payroll. And so she's got a really large team under her. And she's been working really hard on providing a new benefit for our team members. And when I say working really hard, she's been working at it for like five years. She pitches it every year. Um, we don't get it across the finish line. And then she finds a different way to tell that story and comes back to the table. And this year, she's going to see that come to fruition. And she was so happy uh, because it's going to be a big deal to our team members. And I think that that's a good example of the way that storytelling can help to influence outcomes, but also how every person in the organization um, gets to own a piece of the employee experience. And my comment to her was that she had just made 7,000 people's lives better um, by being persistent, sticking to it, and co continuing to challenge herself to find a new way um, to get us to where we needed to be. So I love that we share in that because we also get to share in the benefit, like the reward um, of seeing what it, what it means to create a really awesome employee experience. And, and in broad strokes, is this a, a new benefit that's being rolled out? Is this a new, new program that's being structured? Uh, I would say it's a new benefit, a new benefit, okay. but I won't, I won't, yeah. I'm going to tease it, but there's several, there's several really good examples of that, that we've worked on over time. Um, and I love it when I see different groups feed into that and come up with new concepts for ways to make the experience better. And that doesn't start with start and stop with the HR team. Anybody can really feed into that and be a part of coming up with ways to improve uh, the way our team members experience the company. And, and the reason I ask it because benefits has come up in the last couple of months often, because we often mm -hmm. think about if a marketer had a benefit to promote internally, how would they do that? Because often what we find in HR teams, I say all often, maybe yeah. it's always up until this point, is about communicating yeah. it and, and, yeah. and really focusing on details and, and compliance. And maybe there's annual enrollment. But um, is, that the, is that the only way it should be handled? How do you meet people where they are? And I think that enters yeah. this question of how do we segment employees? How do we yeah. think about a benefit in the context of who they are? Perhaps they've enrolled. And now what's next? Perhaps they haven't enrolled. Perhaps they expressed an interest in certain areas. So Killian, how do you think about communication of benefits or, or maybe it's something else, but to me benefits is a really yeah. interesting one uh, mm -hmm. in context of segmenting employees. Yeah. 
That's a great question. And one of the things that I, um, I insist on from a team perspective when we're planning a rollout of, of anything is to really take a, a campaign um, approach mm. to that work. Yeah. And so let's, what does that, what does that really mean? Well, when you think about a company that's trying to sell a new product, for example, um, they're taking a campaign mindset approach. They're not sending an email to their customers and then calling it a day. They're doing commercials. They're sending those emails. They're posting on social. They're utilizing everything at their disposal to get that customer really bought in. But it even starts before that um, and knowing what the customer wants. So when I think about the campaign approach, I actually start with market research. Um, when we're rolling out new benefits to our team members, it's important to know that these benefits are going to actually make a difference to them. Uh, are these the benefits that they want? You could roll out an amazing benefit, but if it's not resonating with your team members and you don't know who your team members are, um, it doesn't really matter. Um, that utilization is going to be low and ultimately it's not an investment um, worth making. So we start with really knowing what our team members want. We do a lot of surveys. We look at that survey data. And then I, myself, I do a ton of focus groups. Uh, I really talk to our team members. I understand what it is that they want to see. And then we go and advocate for that benefit. And when we get the, the buy-in from our um, executive leadership team on that new benefit, we go into how we're going to get utilization of that benefit. Because again, rolling something out um, that's that's not going to be utilized isn't a real benefit. So we focus on driving that utilization and making sure people understand um, what it means to both have a company that's willing to invest in them in that way, but also what it means to take advantage of that benefit. And we think about all of the different segments of our team member population in doing so, because you have um, an in the case of Mr. Cooper, we have call center representatives who um, are sitting on the phones um, most of the day. They're not going to take um, an hour out of their day, probably, to go and read everything that's on the Internet site. But mm -hmm. conversely, we have technology team members who might be working different hours and will consume information differently. So when we're thinking about how to communicate major benefits in this example, we're going to do multiple channels, multiple times. We're going to think about all of our different segments and then make sure we're communicating to each of those segments effectively and doing it again and again. Um, going back to that rule of three, got to have at least three, um, three opportunities for somebody to hear that information. And we found that that type of approach works um, really well, especially when change is involved. Uh, because sometimes when there's a, a new benefit, it could also mean that there's change that comes along with that. And uh, when we're doing things that involve change, we always start with our leaders, actually. So we have campaigns dedicated specifically to our leaders so that our leaders are armed with the information they need to be able to help their employees understand a new benefit, too. So we we like to take that multi-pronged approach uh, so that by the time we're communicating something, we're really confident our team members are going to get it, they're going to use it, um, and they're going to appreciate it. It's just uh, amazing. Like I... All, all of the concepts were translating from the world of marketing, from market yeah, research right. to running campaigns to relevant channels to measuring impact, which in this case, utilization. And then uh, no doubt yeah. you mentioned prior retention. Uh, yeah. Really, really fascinating. Let, let's And we talked about people, process, technology. So we mentioned process a bit. I'm curious on 
to, to drill a little further in the process to talk about the message itself. How creative do you get or, or do you envision us getting when we communicate internally? Because we understand as customers, we are inundated, but we're also uh, entertained. We are we're get, we get excited about this. Yes, we know it's a commercial, but we're going to even share it with a friend because it's so funny and relevant to us. How far, Kellyanne, do we set the bar in this emerging market for the quality and relevance of the content? And maybe then let's bleed that conversation into channels. Because I think, unless I'm mistaken, I think content and channel or message and channel are pretty close together. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I think that's such a great, um, great point and great question. Uh, and I, I like to tell uh, people when they're thinking about communicating to employees to, to think about how people are receiving information outside of work, because that's how you should be thinking about communicating. And that has rapidly evolved, right? Like now it's, you've got to be able to get your message across in less than 60 seconds in video or in less than two paragraphs or people are checking out and, so we have taken a lot of similar practices that you would see out there um, and applied that to the way that we communicate internally. And you know, we have to make it fun. So that was another challenge to the team this year is how do we make, how do we make communicating things fun again? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain things that have to be communicated um, and emails and internet posts and all of the standard ways that you would think about internal communications apply. But what's the hook? How can you get somebody hooked in? And we have a wonderful creative team, um, the best out there. And they do a really fantastic job of helping us to come up with really interesting ways to tell the story that gets people engaged in the rest of the material that they need to consume. Uh, A good example of that would be a few years ago. This was before the pandemic. So we're in the office and it's, we're in Texas, so it's hot here, um, especially in the summertime. And we decided to roll out a shorts policy where people could wear shorts to the office. Um, and for somebody in financial services, this is actually a really big deal. Um, a few years prior to me starting, uh, we were definitely a suit and tie kind of organization. So the fact that shorts were coming um, was something that we wanted to have a lot of fun with. So we had our CEO um, do a short video about it. The video starts with him waist up in a suit and tie and as the video pans out he's wearing crazy cat shorts no with wild socks and loafers yeah. and people died over this um and all all that was was a hook to get people to read the rest of the policy but really memorable and we've done similar approaches um along the way to get people engaged with the content and it does a few things one it it hooks them right like you're going to read something when you see your ceo and crazy catchwords but it also really humanizes your leadership team and employees expect that now like they want to know the real person that's leading them and when you have executives that are willing to have a good time um while also getting work done. I think it really just sends a great signal to our team members. It makes everything that we do and save just feel a lot more approachable. And ultimately that builds trust. And I believe trust is the foundation of any great culture. Fascinating. I was just imagining yeah. that, that commercial. And oh yeah. Oh, it was. How many communications and, and jokes mm-hmm. and, and the buzz, right? Oh yeah. People, I mean, people, 
Loved it. Now, not every CEO um, is willing to do that. But like I said at the very beginning, I I knew that the CEO that um, I was going to start working for was really bought into changing the culture. And he's really trusted us with some of the crazier ideas that we've come up with. And you carry that forward to today. We do a virtual um, leadership conference three times a year. We call it CooperCon. Again, talking about creative ways to get messages out. Our leaders are really important to us. Um, they lead all of our people every single day. And so we want them really connected to the vision and the strategy of the business. But people don't want to sit and stare at a Zoom for four hours while they get presentations. So we've decided to take a very different approach. And we have, um, it's almost like um, they're sketches. And we do spins on popular either online videos that people like to watch or um, SNL skits that people like to watch. And the, um, the one that has been most popular so far has been hot takes in which two executives eat progressively hotter chicken wings while answering hotter questions about oh. the business. And, um, and I mean, Amazingly enough, we've had um, four executives do this so far. And when I tell you, I tasted um, some of the hot sauce that we were giving them just to know what their pain was. And it was, it was hot. So we're, we've got a really fun team and we, we do those types of things that get people really engaged in what we're doing, but they're getting really important information along the way. Um, And that's, and that's how we think about it. I can't, I can't jump over that. So you're, you're giving me yeah. a visual of executives eating ch- mm-hmm. hot chicken wings while discussing yes. business updates and they've yes. got what yes. tears running out of, out of their eyes and oh. they're just suffering through it. Oh, it's bad. I mean, um, in one, in one case, one of the executives, um, glasses started to fog up. I mean, it's hot. They're drinking milk. Um, it's, it's, and people love it. People love it. It's, and it's because it's just a different way. Um, you've got to keep things fresh and you've got to keep them relevant. And so people now it's become a who's next, who's going to do hot takes next. And we've put out polls and, um, we're letting our, our, our team members and leaders kind of lead, lead the way in that, um, in that regard, but it's super, it's super fun. Never heard of anything like it. I think it's amazing. Yeah. It it does yeah. bring me back actually a couple of days ago. I was uh, intimidated or, or peer pressured into the one hot chip challenge. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's uh, oh my God. It's uh, I had an hour journey. You know what? That's for another day. But yeah. yes. uh, I, can't, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine what, what you're yeah. describing there. Well, listen, oh. before we get on that tangent, yeah. I want to yeah. keep rocking with channels and thinking mm-hmm. about technology. So he, here's where my marketing, you, I, I'm a founder of a digital marketing agency. I think like a marketer, it's, it's mm-hmm. like I think about data. What data do we have to make things relevant? I'm not talking about collecting more data. I'm, not, I'm talking about to, to our point of segmenting. How much data do we have? Well, arguably, we know more about this audience than any other audience. Perhaps we know mm-hmm. the most of any audience in history. To make things relevant That's and right. then on the other side i think about hook short messages bite size where would they appear and i often ask from a customer's perspective where would we well, wherever their eyeballs are currently facebook mm-hmm. twitter instagram linkedin google google mm-hmm. find them where they are kellyanne how do you think mm-hmm. about whether it's current or utopian state 
on both of those. How much do we understand about them to meet them where they are? And then where do we deliver these uh, engaging pieces of content? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I think that for our employees, we do know so much about them. I mean, we know more about them than we're going to ever know about our customers um, because they're our employees. And it's really important to understand where they're at. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do that, um, even outside of the traditional um, surveys, which we do utilize. But and this isn't really utopia. This is what I think a lot of companies should be doing after I have the resources for it. And that's, you should know your click-through rates. You should know your open mm-hmm. rates. You should know um, what that looks like. And we do know that. Um, my head of communications is really good at process and technology. And she could tell you what types of emails are performing better, which executive updates get more open rates, what type of content is clicking through, are these videos working, are these videos not working? And all of that really helps to inform how we want to communicate moving forward. So we do look at that. But if you want to take it a step further and think about even channels outside of our four walls, um, social media has an impact. In fact, I I find that some of my social media posts, especially on LinkedIn, um, reach more of our team members than some of my posts on our internal um, social channel. And I think that that's because people are used to consuming information that way. And so we do focus um, a lot of our time and attention actually on our culture content um, from a social media perspective, because we do find that it's um, a good way for our employees to stay engaged with that content. But there's taking that a step further um, and allowing your team members to share that type of content themselves. So, uh, hey, your employees are your best advocate. Uh, They're the ones that are um, in the family, so to speak. And so we like to empower them to be able to share those messages themselves. And we found that that reach goes so much further. um, And it gives them a sense of ownership, too, in the message, which I think is really important. Communication is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And so um, we enable our team members to feedback to us, um, what that communication should look like, whether that's on our internal channels or um, even externally and, and being able to, to share messages about the company themselves. Right on, right on, that, that's awesome. Yeah. And, I, and I love the way you keep connecting outside and inside worlds. Yeah. From customer yeah. experience to employee experience, from employee experience yeah. to sharing it as, as they would yeah. uh, and interact yeah. with their social media normally. That's right. now, I want to take t- t- with the remaining time. I'd like to take our attention, Kelly, and thinking about my audience. There, some of them are probably listening and, and salivating, saying, "Whoa, how, how did the organization?" Yes, we have a very progressive leader who really believes in taking care of the people, but we also need to make a business case mm-hmm. for the expenditures that would mm-hmm. be required to reach your world. And I know you're not at the destination. You're just, you're just getting warmed up and, and you're moving to- yeah. forward in that direction yeah. toward what I call as this emerging market. But yeah. how would you talk about uh, connecting this to outcomes and how explicitly should it, could it be connected to outcomes so that you can unlock additional resources and make the business case? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, this is the million dollar question. And uh, I attend a, um, a retreat every year that's all about culture. And last year, I actually invited my CEO to come and we did a fireside chat so that all the participants in the audience, many of whom are in roles similar to mine, could see from a CEO's perspective what it means to make the business case. Because that's always what people are asking for. How can you invest in this employee experience? And I... Um, I have a few tricks up my sleeve that have helped me along the way um, and continuing to build on these investments. And the first is to listen to your team members. Um, not all investments in the experience are ones that cost a lot of money. And that feels counterintuitive, but because we're talking about investments, but, but sometimes investments are behavioral investments. Let me give you an example. Um, meeting free Friday. That is a $0 investment, but one that required a behavioral shift from our leadership team and has made a big impact on the organization. And so by listening to team members and understanding that that was more important to them than some other benefits that would have come with a price tag, we could roll that out and make a big impact on the overall employee experience. And so the first thing I would say is start thinking about not just the items that ha come with a cost, but the ones that are come with an investment in time or an investment in uh, leadership behavioral changes. I would say that the similar applies to our working model today. Uh, there's so much talk about work from home, work in office, do you mandate days. We've been um, pretty... Um, pretty committed to our working model of allowing for a ton of flexibility. Again, that does not cost us anything, but is a huge investment in the employee experience. But if you want to take that a step further and start talking about, okay, what does this mean to buy into certain, um, certain new benefits or add resources to help, um, help advocate or, or communicate these types of um, changes for the organization? I think about it in a couple of ways. Um, the first is, I always am looking for high impact, low dollar to get you started. Um, so think high impact, low dollar. What What's going to move the needle with the most amount of people for the lowest cost and get some wins? Um, early wins get momentum. And with that momentum, it's a lot easier to make the case for continued investments in the employee experience. Because what that early momentum can show your leadership team is a decrease in turnover. Um, so you've got higher retention, which is something that you can equate cost to better engagement scores, um, and higher engaged employees, which should ultimately lead to better productivity. And so if you've got those three things working for you, starting to make the case for continued and ongoing investments um, becomes a little bit easier. And then the last thing I would say is um, looking for the trade-offs. So for example, benefits. This is a big one. Benefits are one of the biggest costs. Um, that um, come with the employee experience. And about four years ago, we made a change from a traditional model where we provided um, a couple of carriers and people got to choose to an, uh, an exchange, which in which people can choose between multiple different metallic levels, multiple different providers. And it was a huge shift. And um, we believed in the shift because we knew that it would make for a better, more efficient um, experience for our team members because they would have more choice based on what made sense for them. And 
It was going to save the company money. So there's a lot of things that you can do out there that get a win-win, not just in making for stickier employees that are more engaged, but also um, in ways that can ultimately lower your costs um, as a company too. And so that's something else that I encourage people to look at is think outside the box. There are um, a lot of ways to more efficiently get people what they need, and um, especially in today's day and age. And with those efficiencies can come cost savings um, as well. Also, I think is a part of the playbook for marketers: experiment, pilot. That's right. Know, A/B oh, testing. Yes. Seeing oh. what works, which kind of leads oh. me to I think that the last question, especially with the last couple of days, I've had a lot of back and forth within the community. Do we think that the person who will lead this must have had marketing, branding, communications experience externally, or is it, or, or do they can they hire that in their team? or work with their external marketing departments, perhaps they can learn themselves. So there's a lot of possibilities, but you Mm -hmm. see where I'm headed. I'm really curious. Do you think that this is a must as a new skill set on top of all the other skill sets in the world of people operations that needs to be a a part of the equation? Oh, so my short answer is, Absolutely. Yes. You need to have that skill set. You need to know how to tell a story. Um, and I think that you can, you can do that in a few different ways, but I do find that bringing somebody, um, whether you're hiring from the outside or tapping into your current resources today, somebody who knows how to, um, really take that marketing approach to the work is going to be somebody who really gets how to push the envelope um, in terms of the way that we communicate. And so my team today is a really interesting mix of people who are and have been doing HR for their entire career. And just a shout out to HR professionals. HR is a very technical um complex um, line of work, and it's so incredibly vital to organizations. And so you have to have um, HR practitioners who really know their stuff. Um, it's so important. And we, we balance that. We marry that with, um, my head of the creative group who has done work for some of the biggest brands out there, um, from an external perspective, you put those Mm. two minds together and you can really make some magic. And so I like to see that balance exist within organizations in which you've got, um, experience from a lot of different angles, because that, um, variety of storytelling and variety of experience in storytelling can only really help to balance, like encourage you to challenge convention more. And that's always what I'm looking for. Like who can come up with an interesting way? How can we do this differently? How can we experiment? You brought up A-B testing. I love pilots. I am the queen of pilots. Um, I'm always saying, we'll just pilot this. Um, and before you know it, the pilot has become a way of, of, of working. So I think that having that mix um, is important. I, there's not one solution. It's really all of the above. Uh, you said high impact, low dollars. Get the yes, early high wins. Impact. And, and yep. you know, I'm looking at time. I, I think I could do this with you for hours. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. you'd be an amazing case study to dive in deeper. Yeah. I do know yeah. I won't be, I can't stop thinking about executives sharing stories over hot links as they're, yes. as they're crying. Yeah. That visual is so, yeah. so impressive. But Kelly, thank you very, very much for coming on, for sharing your brilliance, for all everyone who's listening in. Drop a comment in in the whether you're seeing it on LinkedIn or inside our community. If you want to know more about what Kellyanne has done and her organization, truly, they truly are leading the way 
in this emerging market to adapt marketing mindset to the employee experience. If it's your first time listening, uh, do do um, subscribe and uh, let me know what topics you'd be interested in. But yeah. Kellyanne, thank you very much for taking the time. I, I really enjoyed this. Oh, thank you so much. I love having conversations with people that share my passion for this. So um, loved the opportunity. To be continued. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Over and out. Bye, Kellyanne. Bye.